Well, good morning, Trinity. It's good to see everyone. I am not Pastor Les. I am Pastor Dale, the youth pastor and young adult pastor here. And uh, how many of you guys yesterday were like, I'm not going to go outside, it's horrible. I'm just going to deal with my car in the morning, clean it off. That was me. Totally regret, totally regret that decision this morning, scraping off all the ice that was plastered on my car this morning from the, the rain that came first early on Saturday morning and then all the snow pretty much all day and high winds. Um, I, I got my workout this morning. So, <laughs> um, well, it's good to see everyone this morning uh, on this cold, uh, cold day uh, that kind of took us by surprise with the snow this weekend. But uh, hey, that's March for you, right? Uh, March, you never know if, we're, if spring will actually come or we go back into winter. Uh, we are diving back into our series called Turning the Page, uh, where we are learning uh, and moving from uh, living uh, or learning about Jesus uh, and learning about his life that we did around Christmas time and learning about how Jesus lives through us as we now move into the book of Acts through this new year. And we have been moving through the book of Acts, and we are up to the stoning of Stephen, Acts chapter 6, verses 8 uh, through chapter 7, verses 60. Long passage this morning, long passage, um, but we'll surely get you out here on time, uh, even though it's pretty lengthy. Uh, so the stoning of Stephen, while you are turning there, uh, or scrolling there on your iPad or your phone, either here in person or on live stream, uh, I want to introduce our sermon this morning. Uh, I'll let you guys get a familiar with what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about being bold, being bold in our faith. Uh, and so that is pretty much the main thought of this morning, uh, being bold in our faith. Uh, and so to do that, we are going to look at the life of Stephen. We're going to see how he was first bold in his dependence on the Holy Spirit. We're going to see how he was bold through his words. He was going to see how his boldness had ripple effects throughout the kingdom of God. But before we do that, uh, we need to acknowledge that there are people all around us every day that are inspiring us to really take our lives to the next level. Uh, and so we're going to look at a few examples uh, before we actually get into Scripture where you guys are getting suddenly into that passage. Um, there are people who inspire others. Uh, the first one, this may be kind of controversial to have in a uh, church setting because some people don't like him, especially in this area. Um, if I was up in New England, this, this may be really good, or Tampa. Um, but Tom Brady, a little sports analogy here. Tom Brady is someone that inspires people, uh, not only through his athletic career. I mean, he was arguably, if not the best QB and NFL player of all time. But a big part of his success was how well he kept his health. Uh, he was not someone that went out and partied all the time, uh, but he was really focused on honing in uh, how do I max out my potential, my human body, right, through eating healthy. I mean, his diet is impeccable. Uh, he has a whole program, and I think he's written a book about how to do this, right? And he has shown athletes that, hey, this is how long you can go. If you are really serious about being healthy and, and trying to make sure you keep your body in good health, uh, you can go a long way, longer than you suspect. And we saw this inspired uh, Phil Mickelson, I think a year or two ago, at 50 years old. Phil Mickelson's a famous golfer. 
Uh, he won a major, which is a big deal in the golf world. You're up against some of the best in the world uh, when you win a major. He won a major at 50 years old. I mean, it's redefining what it means to be 50. Uh, so he won a major at 50 years old, and afterward they asked him why. Like, why were you inspired to do this? And he referenced Tom Brady. He said, man, I, I've seen Tom Brady just push the limits of his body as far as keeping in good health and how, how far your body can actually go. I decided to really push myself. And I mean, Phil Mickelson at 50 beat out tons of 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds in this major. And it was pretty inspiring. And I'm sure Tom Brady has inspired not only athletes, but people in general to just live healthier, right? And really have this vision of what you can do later in life, uh, even as you age. Now, so that's one example of someone who inspires us. Uh, cooking shows. I don't know if we have any cooks or bakers in here, but I know my wife loves to bake and cook. And uh, we like watching Chopped. It's one of our favorite cooking shows. Any other Chopped fans in here? It's, it's a good one. Um, and so when we get done watching Chopped, uh, Elizabeth is always like next day or that week is trying something new in the kitchen, right? She's inspired by what she sees some of the, the best from our country come and, and compete in this kitchen. Um, and so it's, it's cool to see. I'm sure a lot of co different cooking shows inspire us. Uh, I know Pastor Les, I mean, his famous cheesecake. I mean, when he makes that cheesecake, I mean, it inspires me, well, to eat more cheesecake, really. <laughs> uh, yeah, just eat, eat cheesecake. That's what inspires me to do when he makes that Oreo cheesecake. Mm, that's, that's good stuff. Um, and lastly, right now in the world, we have President Zelensky, right, from the Ukraine, uh, who is inspiring a whole nation uh, and a lot around the world to stand up uh, against evil, right? To stand up against his uh, country being attacked and potentially taken over by the Russians. And uh, it's so inspiring to see. I mean, he is inspiring hundreds of thousands, millions of people, uh, not only in his country, but across the world uh, through his leadership. So we've seen some examples from sports, um, some hobbies of ours. We've seen some cooking, some political leaders that inspire us uh, to just really go to the next level in our life. Uh, and so what about our faith? What about our faith? Are there people in our lives who inspire us to be bold with our faith, really to go to the next level with our relationship with Christ and living for Christ in our world? And this morning we're going to see uh, this example of Stephen in the book of Acts and how he inspired not only the early church, not only another man that we've, we'll come to see uh, who was a massive influence in the Christian world, uh, but has insp can inspire us uh, to be bold in our faith, even in the face of the most extreme persecution, uh, even in the face of the hardest trials that we go through, we can be bold for our faith. And so we're going to see that the example of Stephen, living boldly for Christ, inspires us to increase our boldness for living for Christ. That's our main point for today, and we're going to unpack that. Right? The example of Stephen, living bold for Christ, inspires us to increase our boldness in living for Christ. And so we're going to see these three ways, which I mentioned before. Which the first one is, Stephen's boldness came from dependence on the Spirit. We see that he was someone that did not rest on his own power, his own ability, or just his own, like, just human passions of trying to spur up his own strength to be bold around uh, his world and for his faith. We see that he was described multiple times as a man full of the Spirit. If you have your Bibles open or your phones or iPads open, uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 
5, uh, which is a little before our passage, but it's about Stephen. <laughs> so verse 5, chapter 6 says, The proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So described as a man of full of the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 7, verse 55, another description of him says, But Stephen, full of the Spirit, or full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Stephen was described as being full of the Spirit. And his boldness was an effect of that. Right? He developed a deep passion for Christ. He had a huge passion for getting into his word. We're going to see in a little bit how much he knew the scriptures. He was mighty in the scriptures. He wanted to know and love Jesus more with all, of he, all that he had. We see that in his life. All right? He was a man who uh, was full of the Spirit. So before we move forward in any sort of boldness, in any sort of uh, responding to maybe hardship or persecution in our life and being bold through that, we have to realize that it all starts with our relationship with God. It all starts with being full of the Spirit. This is a command that Paul gives us in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. This is a lifestyle. This is something we should be doing daily, looking to be filled with the Spirit through His Word, through prayer, through worship songs, through being in community with one another. We need to be constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to pause real quick and just do a little sub, subcategory here of what it is to be full of the Holy Spirit so we're all on the same page. Every Christian, when they come to believe in Christ, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so everyone has the Holy Spirit who has believed in Christ and sees Him as, his, as their Lord and Savior. They are given the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But every Christian can either uh, develop and help grow the influence of the Holy Spirit within your life or diminish it. We see here that, and again, in Paul, talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Or that we can do things that grieve the Holy Spirit within us. And that then diminishes right, the Holy Spirit work within our lives, His influence, His leading within our life. If we do things over and over again, if we live in continual sin, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. If our hearts have been cut hard towards sin, where we don't really feel bad anymore, we don't feel the guilt, we don't feel that little sting that we, we man, we've, we've fallen short, we've sinned, we're grieving the Holy Spirit. And so grieving the Spirit is something that Christians can do. We can also quench the Spirit. Paul says, do not quench the Spirit. Right? The Spirit wants to be alive and active within us. And so we quench the Spirit when we uh, feel that little nudge or leaning from the Holy Spirit, and we say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Right? It could be the Holy Spirit leading us to do something bold, right? or just lead us into a conversation, uh, lead us into prayer. We're feeling that nudge from the Holy Spirit, and we turn it down. We quench the Spirit. The Spirit wants to be speaking to us. He wants to be guiding us and leading us, and yet we as Christians can, don't have to, but can sometimes quench his influence on us. And so we don't want to do that. 
We don't want to quench. We don't want to silence the Spirit. We want to be full of the Spirit. Our lives need to be defined as being full of the Spirit. So in step with what the Holy Spirit wants to be doing in our daily life, right? that we feel like we are being led by God. And so because of his example, because Stephen's example, we are inspired to grow in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so when we grow in the fullness of the Spirit, what will happen? How will that increase our boldness for living for Christ? What we see in Acts, we're going to see three things. Acts chapter 6, verse 5, we see that we'll have the boldness to uh, go where he leads. Chapter 6, verse 5. Uh, these were men who were looking to select people to serve tables. Okay, so this was somewhat of a lowly job, lowly position, right? Uh, it was kind of serving tables. Uh, it's not anything fancy. Uh, you know, you're, not, you're not going out and thousands are coming to Christ at some you know, evangelic, you know, uh, evangelism event. You know, he's not like leading worship for hundreds. You know, it, it's something you know, that most people, when they were living back then, would probably like, hmm. I may have better things to do in my day than serve tables. But Stephen, because he was being led by the Spirit, was available and open to where God wanted to lead him. And so when these men chose Stephen to serve tables, he said yes. He said yes to what God was doing in his life and how he was being led by the Holy Spirit. He probably felt that nudging from the Holy Spirit. You should do this, Stephen. And he said, I will follow. I will go. And so for us, right, what are the, when we start following the Spirit, that He might lead us into areas where we say, eh, it doesn't really seem that fancy. It doesn't really seem that exciting. But surrendering our life to the Holy Spirit is one of the most bold things we can do. When we lay down our life and say, God, take me where you want me to go. Doesn't matter where, doesn't matter what border I have to cross, doesn't matter what city I have to go to, or what people I am being led to serve. I will follow with no conditions. Is one of the boldest things we can do in our life. And we see that Stephen did that here. Not only that, but then when he was called then or led into the situation with the Sanhedrin, which we'll get to in a moment, when he was led into that moment with the Sanhedrin where they're essentially condemning him and saying, hey, if you're, if you're saying the things that we think you're saying, uh, we're going to kill you. Um, that was God leading Stephen into that situation. And so it doesn't matter if it's something very humble or something very extreme, like your life is on the line if you continue to confess Christ. It doesn't matter anymore because we are being led by God. We are surrendering our life to Christ and being full of the Holy Spirit through that. And so we'll have the boldness to go where he leads. We see that from the example of being full in the Spirit in Stephen's life. Secondly, we'll have the boldness to be a channel for the Holy Spirit. We'll be able to grow in our boldness to be a channel for the Holy Spirit. Uh, let's, turn, let's look at Acts chapter 6, verse 10. In communicating with uh, the Sanhedrin, the people who were accusing him of things that were, they were ready to put him to death for. He's, uh, verse 10 says, But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. 
Because Stephen was so in step with the Holy Spirit, when the moment arose that he couldn't lean on his own strength to, to essentially have these arguments, this wisdom that he would then uh, push back on or speak into when they were pretty much uh, slandering him and trying to show that he was wrong, in those moments the Spirit empowered him to speak boldly the truths of Christ. And so he was leaning on the Holy Spirit's power and he became a channel for God to speak into their lives. Now they didn't really receive it that well, uh, but nonetheless, Stephen was just so in step with the Spirit. It was almost like God was speaking through him. He was giving him power and strength and the wisdom in that moment to speak the truths of God to these people. And so when we see that example, we can grow in our boldness, right? To be a channel for the Holy Spirit. We've all had those moments, right? Where we feel led by God to speak into someone's life in a moment. Whether it's in a small group discussion, we're doing Lent groups right now, right? Or whether it's at work, whether it's at home, and you're in this conversation, all of a sudden you feel that little nudge by the Holy Spirit to say something. Or, or, you, or you start talking and you realize, oh wow, this is God speaking through me, right? You, you kind of leave that conversation, wow, that was a God moment, right? It wasn't me talking, it was God talking through me into that person's life, right? That's bold. You're, you're giving up control, you're giving up power, right, of what you want to say, and you're allowing God to speak through you. So we see that as an example in Stephen's life. Uh, he was someone that did not rest necessarily on his own wit, his own intelligence to try to come out with arguments, but relied on the power of the Holy Spirit, and that comes through being full in the Spirit. And lastly, we'll see uh, that we'll have the boldness to respond graciously when provoked. We'll have the boldness to respond graciously when provoked, when we are full with the Spirit. We see in Acts chapter 7, verse 55, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, look, he said, I see heaven opening up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And then go down to verse, 29, or verse 59. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. So we see in this passage, again, he was full of the Spirit, and as he was being stoned, like in the midst of him dying slowly, he is not speaking anything ill-willed towards this group of people, but instead saying to forgive them. What a contrast to our social media world, right? Where people are just blasting people on social media, right? What a contrast to our world that we just live in where conflicts can happen so quickly in public, Right, where it's like, whoa, like, we're not even close to like, slowly being stoned to death because of our faith. Uh, and we are like, just railing on people sometimes as Christians. Uh, how can we respond graciously when we're provoked? It starts with being full of the Spirit. Full of the Spirit. It can't come from our own strength. We have to be developing that relationship with God. And so that's the first category. Right? Being full of the Spirit and the effects of that. Right? But we can't lose sight of that. That, that, is, that is the foundation. Fullness of the Spirit. Right? We cannot be bold uh, by our own strength. 
These moments, these situations come from God's leading. And when we surrender to God through being the fool in the Spirit, we'll just see the effects of, of this boldness come out in our life. Because we, start, we stop living for man and we start living for God. When we, we have an eternal perspective, we have a God-centered perspective on our life, not a man-centered perspective. And we see that evident in Stephen's life. Okay, that's the first section, fullness of the Spirit. Second, second way, we see Stephen's example. We see Stephen's boldness shown through his words. There we go. Stephen's boldness shown through his words. Okay? Um, so, a couple of things to note with this and why we're focusing on words within this passage. First, this is the longest recorded sermon in Scripture. Okay? So, words are kind of a big deal in this passage. Um, it takes up a massive amount of space in this passage. Uh, longest recorded sermon in the New Testament. So, kind of a big deal. Uh, we also see that words play a massive influence in the whole situation around Stephen's uh, life here. So, let's look at a couple of these uh, situations. We see in chapter 6, uh, verse, we'll start in verse 9, just to get context. It says, Opposition arose, however, from the members of the synagogue, okay, from what Stephen was doing, and saying, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the province of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. Okay, that's the first thing, arguing. Starting to argue verbally with Stephen. Stephen was saying things, teaching things about Christ, about the temple, about the law that they didn't like. So his words started getting him in trouble. And they responded with more words. They started to argue with Stephen. Verse 10. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Okay, so he was speaking. He was saying things that were countering the arguments they were coming up against him. Okay, so it was the words that he was saying. Verse 11. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So a couple things there. They secretly persuaded men. So they were using their words, somewhat in secret, to persuade other groups of people, other men, to come against Stephen. Why? Because of the words he was speaking. They were saying that they were blasphemous words that he was saying. Verse 13, they produced false witnesses who testified this fellow never stopped speaking against the holy, this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say, okay, catching, catching the, the, the patterns here, heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen as they saw his face was like an angel. Then the high priest asked Stephen, verse 1 of chapter 7, are these charges true? And this is the moment where Stephen could use his words either to back out and say, okay, you know, He's probably starting to put the pieces together. This isn't probably going to end well. Um, you know, it's pretty tense. It's a pretty tense moment. Uh, he's been hearing the rumors. He's been hearing people talk. 
And so here's the moment where he could use his words to back out, take a few steps back and say, you know, what you've been hearing is wrong. You know, I'm kind of following what you guys are saying. You know, maybe, maybe it isn't as crazy as you think. Like, you know, man, I think some of the things you're hearing about me are probably not true. You know, I'm really more on your side than you think. He could have said those things. Because he's probably starting to realize, you know, his life may end soon. He didn't wake up that morning thinking he was going to die for his faith. But it's looking like that now. We see Stephen in the boldness of his words. Because he goes off, right? It is the longest sermon in, in the New Testament. And he gives almost a whole chapter in the book of Acts on this, uh, with this sermon. And he touches on three main things within this sermon. That is essentially why uh, the Jews and the people who are accusing him, Sanhedrin, uh, do not like what he's teaching. Uh, he's going after, essentially, the theology, the teachings of the Sanhedrin and some of the very conservative Jewish people, that, one, Israel is a special holy land. Right? That, that it, is, it is something unique and different than every other, other land, and God kind of only works here. He's going to speak against the temple, the temple system, and the law. Okay? So in his sermon, we're not, we're not going to read the whole sermon. We're actually going to only uh, see, I think, probably just one verse here that, that's, that really attacks, and, and you can kind of start getting the gist of, of what he's saying here. So he's putting this whole argument together, and he's really working through a history of God's people. He's going through a history of God's people, starting with Abraham. And he's going through Abraham, he gets to Moses, and in verse 33 of chapter 7, it says, Then the Lord said to him, that's Moses, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Okay, so Stephen is pointing out, Guys, there's nothing special about this land. There, when, Moses was, when God appeared to Moses on this, with this bush in Midian, God called it holy ground. Okay? There's holy ground outside of Israel. Okay? They did not want to hear that. So that's one example of him just going through and using narrative, using story, to kind of slowly throw these things in. All right? Where he's essentially standing up for what he believes, and he's trying to show them this has always been God's people. All right? The Sanhedrin, the Jews, they just wanted to hang out in Israel. They, wanted to, they saw the temple as where God lived. At the very end of this sermon, he attacks the temple, and he says, verse 48 of chapter 7, however, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands, as the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all of these things? So he's saying to the Sanhedrin and, and the, the people there, God is everywhere. <laughs> God is huge. He doesn't just live in some building that you made. And so he's telling them through this narrative, through retelling of their history, to try to, I think, probably help them see he's not that far off. He's actually very close to the narrative of God's people. God always worked 
And, and God's people were always about being on the move. Right? It started with Abraham. He was called out of Earl of Chaldeans. Right? He went to a promised land. He went down then into Egypt. God's people lived in Egypt for years and they were taken out of Egypt and then they were in the desert for 40 years. God was at work as much then as he was now in Israel and then we soon seen after God's word is going to spread all over the world. And uh, soon after this persecution, because the persecu- persecution breaks out in Jerusalem and then Christians start to scatter and they start going everywhere and word God's, the word of God spreads all throughout the world. And so uh, he's bold because he, he's, he's looking at his death sentence and he stood up for Christ. He stood up and stood firm for truth even in the face of death, even in the face of persecution. It was his words that were bold. And I often think as Christians, uh, it, well, let's back up a little bit. It wasn't necessarily his actions that got him in trouble. It wasn't his actions that got him into hot water or, or got him, you know. He, he was being a kind person. He was serving tables. Everyone's cool with serving tables. Like, no, no one's going to get stoned for helping serve people at tables, right? He was, I mean, it says that he was doing uh, great acts for God, signs among the people, great wonders. Right? He wasn't getting in trouble. That wasn't what they're accusing him of. He was accusing him of his words, his teachings. And as Christians, we sometimes feel that tension. We can go do nice things. We can be kind people. But what does that next step look like in being bold for our faith? Because of his example, we are inspired to increase our boldness in sharing our faith verbally. Verbally. Okay? Because this is where things could get awkward. Right? We can go serve a meal somewhere. But then to sit down with someone and say, hey, you know why I'm doing this? I'm doing this because of our Lord Jesus Christ and the way he came down and served us and loved us. Let me tell you about this Jesus. That's where you start feeling this rub. Like, oh, do we, do we do that? Do I do that? I'm not really sure. Is that kind of like in their face? Is it kind of like a bait and switch type of thing? Like, man, if I share my faith at work, this could kind of get awkward. It's really, a, the boldness comes from the words we say, right? Um, that's where things can kind of get, like, tension-filled. Right? And we see that. I mean, because of his words, he got stumped. He died. Now, I'm not advocating that we go out to the street corner and, you know, hold up signs and just kind of preach at people uh, at the corner of Boyertown. Uh, I don't think that's probably the best look. But... I think we can take these next steps. And when we, feel by, when we feel led by the Holy Spirit to speak up for Jesus, to speak up for truth, that we take that step. That we take that next step. If Stephen could do this in the face of death, how much more could we do this in a country where uh, we have freedom of religion? Right? To, to be able to share with people. And the worst thing that could happen is probably lose your job probably the worst thing in our country. And even then, uh, you know, job market's pretty good right now. <laughs> so, you know, that's the worst thing. We're not even close to being stoned to death before our faith. Okay? We live in an amazing country. Now, there, there are Christians across the world who don't live in that type of setting. Uh, that if they did share their faith, 
if they did go public with their beliefs, they would face death. And some of them take that step. Some of them take that step and say, you know, my Lord died for me. And he gave his life for me. And even in the midst of persecution and Christians across the world that could very highly face death if they came out public about their faith verbally, they say, Jesus gave his all for me. I'm going to give my all for Jesus. Come what may. Well, whatever happens. As us as Christians, what can we do this week to take that next step in sharing our faith verbally with someone? Or just giving the reason of why we're doing something kind. Right? Why are we serving them? Why are we doing the things that we are doing? Sometimes they ask you. Sometimes they don't. But what does it look like to take the next step to share your faith verbally? Where could you do that this week? Or it's at your workplace. Maybe it's at your home. Maybe it's with a group of friends that you've been friends with for a while and they don't know you're a Christian. Right? You've never shared with them. Maybe it's relatives that they, don't, they wouldn't even be able to tell you what church you go to. They, they don't know. Maybe it's your neighbor that you just need to share Christ with or just begin a faith-based conversation with. Right? Whatever that next step is for you of sharing your faith verbally, I would encourage you to, to look to God this week and to look to the Holy Spirit for guidance on that. Where is God going to lead you in speaking up for your faith more? Because that is very bold. It's a very bold act to do. And lastly, so that was our, our second section there, our words. Okay? So we've seen the fullness of the Spirit, we've seen uh, the, the words that we use, how all this ties to boldness. And then lastly, uh, Stephen's boldness had ripple effects for the kingdom. Ripple effects for the kingdom. Uh, if you look at uh, Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 7, uh, verse 1, or actually maybe 8, verse 1, or sorry, Acts chapter 7, verse 60. My Bible's weird. It has like chapter 8, but doesn't really tell me where the first verse is. So it's, all, it's that last thing which says, And Saul approved of their killing him. So yeah, that's the last verse in chapter 7 and the first verse of chapter 8. It says, And Saul approved of their killing him. Now this Saul guy, many of you may know, uh, eventually becomes Paul. Uh, he becomes a man who uh, saw Christ uh, on the road to Damascus, converted to Christianity, and spent the rest of his life being a missionary all across the Roman Empire. And one of the best-known missionaries ever, famous missionaries ever, and arguably one of the biggest influences on Christianity. But in this moment, right, at this time of his life, his name was Saul, and he approved the killing of other people for their faith. Okay? So pretty far from Jesus, pretty far from God at this moment in his life. But we can't help but think that Stephen's witness and how Stephen responded and the words he said and the boldness of his faith impacted Saul later in his life. Paul, after he became a Christian, became a missionary. As I said, he traveled all over. He faced persecution many times from Jews and non-Jews about his faith and what he was preaching about Christ. And we can't help but imagine that these words 
that Stephen spoke at the very end of his life where he says that he's responding graciously to those who are stoning him. Where he says, Lord, don't hold these sins against them. When in the midst of dying from being stoned, we can't help imagine that this had a ripple effect on strengthening Paul's faith in those moments where he was being persecuted. In those moments where he was facing death out on the mission field, just kind of by logic and putting the dots together, we can probably say this probably had an impact on, on, on Paul. Right when he was out there on the field, he probably remembered those words. Those words we can maybe sometimes imagine, use our imagination, Paul waking up in the middle of the night and those words coming back, maybe sometimes even to haunt him. He was someone that oversaw a man of faith like that and saw, oversaw the killing of him. And then how it does the inverse effect of then strengthening him. Wow, Paul's like, man, Stephen. Paul maybe looked at Stephen and said, man, if Stephen can face stoning to death and have that grace and be so Jesus-focused even in the midst of death, Paul probably brought that to his mind when he was facing death and said, I, I can do this. Right? If Stephen can do that, right, it increased Paul's boldness and strengthened his faith because of that. Now, not only did this impact Paul, the, the example of Stephen, the story of Stephen here, the martyrdom of Stephen, impacted and had rippled effects all over the early church. All over the early church. It, it gave Christians so much confidence to live for your faith no matter what hardships would come, what persecution, what trials would come their way. Stephen would be someone they could look back and say, Wow, Stephen not only did this, not, he not only was bold in the face of death, but he modeled Christ and pointed people to Christ in the midst of all of it. What an amazing example to look to. And the early Christians looked at that in ripple effects and centuries and centuries afterward, this became an example of someone to look to to gain strength and boldness in the face of persecution. And because Stephen stood firm and was bold in the midst of his persecution, we are inspired to be bold because of the ripple effects it could have for the kingdom. Stephen never saw the legacy that he, let, that he left. He never saw the ripple effects. He never saw how it impacted people's faith. His story today still probably resonates with people who are being on, on the verge of being martyred right, all across this world in countries that are harsh and persecute Christians. They probably look to Stephen as a source of strength, encouragement, and boldness. So we have to ask ourselves, how will your boldness in the face of hardships impact others? It's easy to be a Christian when things are good. Right? It's easy to be a good-natured person when things are good. Right? But then when the pressure's on, when there are hard things happening in your life, how will you respond? How will you be bold when there are hardships? How will you be bold in taking sacrifice for Christ? What will you give up? What's the legacy you want to leave for your children? What's the legacy you want to leave for your grandchildren? What's the legacy you want to leave for people that you know in your sphere of influence? The ripple effects of how you are living out your faith day to day have untold potential in impacting the kingdom of Christ. 
And when we look at this story of Stephen, we should be increased in our boldness to do the same. Because we see the impact it have. We could impact the next missionary to go out and share Christ with others. We could impact the next pastor. We could impact the next person who's on fire for their faith in their workplace. We could impact the next person who writes a great book that influences Christians' faith in a positive way. We have no idea the impact our lives are having and the ripple effects it could have on people's lives for the kingdom. The way that we handle ourselves in times of hardship and persecution can also impact non-believers, people who don't know Christ. And they say, wow, there's something different about them. What is it? What is it? These are just some of the ways that we see being bold for our faith can have massive implications and ripple effects throughout the kingdom. So this morning, uh, we saw a few modern-day examples of people who inspire us just kind of in our daily life, and uh, the power of Les's cheesecake on me to uh, eat, eat more cheesecake. Um, and then we also saw, uh, in our main section of our sermon, uh, we saw that uh, the uh, main foundation of us building in our boldness of faith is not just going out there willy-nilly and just trying to do something and see if it sticks. It's to dig deep into the Holy Spirit. We want to be full of the Holy Spirit, be voracious for God's Word, to be in His Word all the time, be hungry for it, be mighty in the Scriptures. We want to be leaning into God's wisdom, His insight, His truth. We want to be filling our life with the things of God. We also saw that because of that, there are many effects that happen in our life because of that. The other thing we looked at is uh, the power of our words in sharing Christ verbally. That is something very bold that we do in sharing our faith. And I encourage you to do that sometime this week through the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. And lastly, we saw uh, that uh, living boldly for Christ has ripple effects way beyond our own life. And to not lose sight of that, that we are leaving a legacy, and hopefully a legacy of a Christ-filled life for generations to come that will impact them. And so hopefully this morning you grab something uh, from this morning's message that encourages you to be more bold in your faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we want to thank you so much for your word and this example of Stephen in the book of Acts. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would continue to live through us uh, in our daily life, whether it's at our workplace, here at church, in our small groups, uh, whether it's in our home. Lord, we want to be full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, and just to see the fruits and the uh, ripple effects that has in our life, most likely leading to being more bold, taking those next steps by following your leading and your nudging in our life. Lord, we pray you'd make us sensitive to those moments this week. We don't know what will come, but Lord, we pray that we'd stay in step with your Spirit so that we can impact others for Christ. In your name that we pray. Amen.